So, as many of you know, this summer we've been, we have been visited each uh, Sunday morning for the past few weeks um, by the Apostle Paul. And so we're going we're gonna to hear from Paul again here in a minute, but you know, it's, it, it's interesting, we, we, we need a, a special voice, it has to be a ch- children's voice to call Paul out of the, the courtyard. Again, he is in house arrest in Rome, and he's going to come into the courtyard and speak to us, but he only responds to the Greek phrase, which means, I want to know Christ, and again, it has to be a child's voice. So I have a child helper once again, Chloe, come on down and help me with this. So here is the Greek phrase. He won't come out. I'll say it. Thelo na noriso tan Christo. He won't respond. But a child's voice, he will respond. So Chloe, Chloe come over here with me. I'm going to have you read this, and maybe we'll get the Apostle Paul to come out and speak to us once again. Nice and loud. Thelo na. Thelo na. Noriso. Noriso. Tan Christo. Tan Christo. Thank you. Ah, my dear children. I'm so glad you came to visit me again. Maranatha. For those who haven't been here before, I'm, I'm Paul, the least of the apostles and most certainly the one closest to death. I'm here in house arrest in Rome and I've got a lot of time on my hands. And so as you can imagine, I spend some of that time reminiscing about the things I've experienced in this amazing walk with Jesus Christ that I've been so privileged to enjoy. I often think back to that first trip that Barnabas and I took, where we left Antioch and we traveled to Cyprus and up through Asia Minor. It was frightening and exhilarating all at the same time. To see the power of God at work, amazing to get stoned by angry mobs throwing rocks at us, not so amazing. But God was at work, and it's an incredible thing to witness. Even from those early days, though, we understood that we were facing a significant problem. The faith that Jesus taught was rooted in the Jewish faith, And yet, his way was completely different. The Jewish faith was was filled with rituals and rules and laws. Every male child marked in his flesh. Every wife a, a life of keeping a kosher kitchen and observing strict dietary laws. Regulation upon regulation. And, and we knew We knew that the law was God's gracious gift to us, especially as a Pharisee, I grew up knowing that the law was a a good gift. It it helped us, it guided us, it, it taught us how to please God, and yet, when Christ came, everything became new because Christ is the fulfillment of the law. We were free from the regulations of the past. We were free to live by the Spirit. And and so to to return to just law-keeping would have been just a step backwards. Christ was calling us forward to new things. After that first trip, we were in Antioch for a period of time. And while we were there, certain men were sent down from Jerusalem 
And they began to teach that in order to be fully followers of Christ, you then had to become complete Jews as well. This, this was not the gospel that I had been preaching. Barnabas and I had preached everywhere in southern Galatia that salvation was by faith in Christ alone. Therefore, these guys from Jerusalem were just wrong. They, they were not following the gospel that I had received. And of course, Peter was there in Antioch at that time, and he knew that what I believed was true. He had had that experience with Cornelius where God had accepted the Gentiles just as they were. So he knew that this was true. He knew that salvation was the gracious, free gift of God, period. That forgiveness of sins and, and new life was by trust and by faith that Jesus' sacrifice for us was real, that he was the Messiah, that through him we had new life and we were given the Holy Spirit, that we walked in a completely new way. And that can't be earned by law-keeping. This false message from these certain men from Jerusalem spread throughout the whole church. And before I knew it, even the churches in South Galatia were wrestling with this same problem. I couldn't believe that they had so quickly abandoned everything we had taught them while we were with them. And so I got my scribe, and we sat down, and I fired off a letter. I, I confess I was a little rough on them, maybe rougher than I should have been, but it was an important issue. I said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Have you so quickly given up or forgotten how you received Christ? Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law? If justification comes by the law, why did Christ have to die? He died for nothing. If justification comes by keeping rules, then there's no need for a sacrifice. But we know that justification does not come that way. Everything hangs on faith in Jesus Christ. The law was our disciplinarian for a while. But when Jesus came, we no longer had need of a disciplinarian because we live by the Spirit. The attack by these men from Jerusalem on the true gospel became an attack on me and my leadership as well. I freely admit I'm an imperfect messenger, but the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ does not hang on any messenger. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It was validated in South Galatia by signs and wonders. You know the stories. You know the magician who went blind, the lame man who walked, all to confirm that this gospel was the true gospel. Well, Peter was at Antioch with us when all of this transpired. You know, at first, when he first arrived, he ate dinner with everyone. Jew, Gentile, didn't matter. He was no respecter of persons. But then when these men from Jerusalem showed up, and had these convictions about keeping the law, he just sort of withdrew from society with the Gentiles, withdrew from the Greeks, 
and just ate with the Jews now. This was dangerous. Table fellowship matters. You know, you only invite people into your home to have dinner with who you like, who you want to become friends with, who you're close to, who you affirm. And if you suddenly exclude the Greeks and suddenly exclude the Gentiles, you're you're making a statement, especially if you're someone like Peter. And so I went to him and I confronted him right away. I said, Peter, you can't live this way. Think where this will go. If we create a social division in the church, very soon the Greeks, the Gentiles, will become second-class citizens. It will create a division in the whole church, some not as significant as others. It will undermine our unity and make it almost impossible for us to equitably love our neighbors. It will destroy the very thing Christ prayed for, that we might be one together. And Peter was influential, so it was important that it get corrected right at the very top as quickly as possible. Well, this issue was so large, it wasn't going to be resolved just because the Antioch group believed a certain way these infiltrators had spread through the church. And so in Antioch, as we were praying together, it was decided that Barnabas and me and Peter, we would all go up to Jerusalem, we would meet with the elders of the church, and together we would discuss this issue and figure out what we must say and what we must do and how we were going to resolve this issue of whether the salvation was the gospel of Jesus Christ or if it was the gospel and Moses, or the gospel and the law, or the gospel and some other add-on you might come up, or whether it was just the true gospel. And so we traveled to Jerusalem together. When we arrived, and after we had spoken briefly, Peter began to talk. And he told again the whole story of his encounter in the home of Cornelius how God had in a vision lowered a sheet three times to Peter, filled with food that no respecting Jew would ever eat, and said to Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean in all my life. And Peter heard God say, don't declare unclean what I have made clean. Three times the message came. And just after that, Cornelius called. And Peter goes to Cornelius' house, Greek Gentile, preaches the gospel, and before Peter can even get his words out, the Holy Spirit falls on them, accepts them, makes them full citizens of the kingdom. Gentiles living as Gentiles, fully members in the kingdom of God. His message was clear. Barnabas and I spoke. We talked about the mission through South Galatia and the signs and wonders that had been performed, how the proconsul came to Christ, how people were changed. There were churches now, elders, all proclaiming this gospel. All these Gentiles brought into the kingdom just as they are, not asked to make changes to become Jews, but asked to make changes in following the leadership of the Spirit which is appropriate to the gospel. By the time we were done, James gathered our attention. He said, 
let's not trouble our Gentile brothers and sisters any longer. Let's give them a few simple advices for their guidance and trust them to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He said, let's tell them to abstain from anything that is polluted by its association to idols. Let's ask them to abstain from fornication. Let's ask them to abstain from eating meat with the blood in it. It was an interesting decision. Separation from idols preserved their Christian testimony. It made it clear who they were living for. Relational purity made perfect sense because we understand who we are in Christ. And the fact that we would have no longer this burden of the law placed upon us gave us joy and freedom in Christ. And, and I think it emphasized the fact that salvation is by faith in Christ alone and that it is the gracious gift of God, that we are free in Christ. Being free in Christ, though, is not permission to indulge ourselves in selfishness or sinful behavior. The Spirit would never lead us into those kinds of activities. We don't have permission. We do not have license to indulge ourselves at the expense of others. We were once slaves of the law, but now we're servants of God. We were once slaves to sin, but we have been forgiven of sin, and we are now servants of the Holy Spirit. Our allegiance has changed. We live by the Spirit, and the Spirit calls us to love. To love one another? Well, you could almost say that we're servants to one another because of our calling to love one another. And you know the whole law can be summarized in loving our neighbors. Now I will admit, there is a place for wisdom for new Christians who are learning what it means to walk by faith in Christ. But we must renounce the idea that in order to be Christian, you must look like everyone else in our social group. If conformity to the group becomes more important than faith in Christ and the ability of the Holy Spirit to guide us, then we have completely abandoned the gospel. Anything that diminishes the power of the cross, anything that diminishes living life by the leadership of the Holy Spirit is not our gospel. We are called to worship the Christ who saves us and to live in the freedom that the Spirit gives us, the freedom that is to love one another. That is the gospel of our Lord in Jesus Christ. It is not wisdom to follow rules instead of following the Spirit. It is not wisdom to think that we're saved by what we do. It is not wisdom to think that, well, if we just don't break the law, then we'll automatically have kept the law. That was Israel's mistake. If I don't break the law, I must be okay. 
forgetting that now in Christ we've been called to positive, active living, to love in this world. Nothing less than that will pass muster. We're not called to a life of avoiding rule-breaking. We're not called to life living by a checklist. We are called to active loving led by the Spirit. I pray you will know the joy that comes from the freedom of Christ, freedom from our sinful past, freedom from addictions and habits that have plagued us, freedom from the law. We're, we're really free. I pray, I pray that you will know that freedom deep in your hearts, and I pray that that will bring a confidence in Christ that is unshakable in you, because you know the power of God, and you know his power to lead you by his spirit into a life that is pleasing to him. May you experience that joy every day that you lived. It's the birthright of all who have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ. You have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, haven't you? You've trusted him to forgive you of your sins. You've invited him to be Lord of your life. You've known the gift of the Holy Spirit, the down payment he gives to all of us. And you're walking by the Spirit, right? If not, choose this day to follow him. Maranatha. Would you receive the benediction from words that Paul wrote to us while he was in prison in Rome. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. And as a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth, together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge, so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Go in his grace. You are dismissed.